0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm
1: your host, Ben Standick. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Insightful conversation today I'll share with you guys. Who better than to talk not just about the draft, not just about free agency, but how it all connects to the Washington Commanders. Logan Paulson joined me today to to talk about all these things. Uh, Logan, of course, does great work for the Commanders website. He's on Instagram, often posting his thoughts there. Logan underscore Paulson 82. You can check out his Take Command podcast podcast. Uh, on the Odyssey app as well. Uh, Logan and I broke down, as it said, he was in Indianapolis for the NFL Draft Combine last week, Uh, got his view on, really tried to narrow it down to a lot of the positions that Washington is, in theory, in play for. Uh, Offensive line, cornerback, did talk about the tight ends uh, and some other draft insight as well. And then with regards to free agency, you know, same thing. I, I, I was explaining that I don't think Washington has as many holes as you might think based on the constant chatter about them, but we know some of the specific ones. So what does he think about again, offensive line cornerback um, and just some other philosophy about what the, what they may or may not do, including how much are they going to be spending? You've heard me talk about the budget. I don't still don't think see them as being a big spender this off season, but We'll see about that. We also talked about the quarterback situation competition for Sam Howe. What does that look like to Logan Paulson? So we'll get to that in a moment here on the Standard Groom Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Please uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, If there's a like button, hit the buttons. I appreciate all the help we can get. And, of course, if you're an iTunes person uh, dropping in a – a, a, a positive review definitely helps the cause. I really do appreciate that for sure. Um, before we get to Logan Paulson, while Logan and I were talking, um, came some news from Adam Schefter. It's not news about free agency or uh, you know, who the new wide receiver uh, coach is going to be, it is instead about The uh the, the ownership situation, specifically this. This is Adam Schefter's tweet from earlier earlier this morning. DC billionaire Mitchell Rails is partnering with Josh Harris in their attempt to buy the Washington Commanders per league source. Rails is the co founder of the Danaher Group or Danaher Corporation, DC's largest company. Okay, I don't know much about Mitchell Rails other than I see he is from Bethesda, you know. Bethesda is uh as is Josh Harris and as is uh Yours Truly. So clearly, um you know, I got to get in on this uh on this deal here and make it a uh uh you know, a, a trio of Bethesda people contributing to this purchase. Um <laughs> uh So what's interesting here is that this news is even out there in the first place. right? People have been so obsessed with talking about Jeff Bezos because obviously if Jeff Bezos is interested, he cannot beat everybody, call it a day, and we move on. But, you know, to this point, we haven't, um, we don't know. I mean, he's he's not shown that much interest relative to some of the other names. Josh Harris, to me, has been the, if I say the front runner, I don't necessarily, that's not an inside scoop perspective, just me reading the tea leaves. Somebody who already owns an NBA and an NHL team and has uh, invested in some other teams as well. He is toward the facility. We reported that first on The Athletic a couple of weeks ago, uh, so on and so on. So to me, there's a lot going on there. And now you add this element of of him adding some more money to the mix in Mitchell rails, who according to just looking some quick math here online has around 5.6 billion, or at least that's his net worth. Um, there's a lot interesting here with regards to his uh, background. And and apparently at some point he was possibly going to get involved with, with the Orioles ownership. Um, and, you know, it's worth noting, I guess that with two, if it in fact was these two men who buy the team, both Maryland guys, you know, from a stadium perspective, like I've I've been telling you guys from the start, even last year, I never bought the Virginia was ultimately going to be the answer. I get that for the commanders, they may not have had a, 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 a choices. Virginia just never made that much sense to me. And I'm not saying that Landover does. It's not a great spot, but at least it is, you know, in the beltway, as opposed to Virginia, which we're talking about way out there. I think RFK Stadium has always been the place that everybody wants to go. But, you know, there's questions about, you know, can you get the control of that land from Congress? Is there enough space to build not just a stadium, but build like a mini city that everybody seems to want? Do you have to take that? I talked about this with Michael Phillips the other day about could you possibly take the practice facility, put that somewhere else and just build that up? Is that something you could do? So it's interesting. We'll see. I mean, and, and here's the other interesting thing about all this that Adam Schefter reported this This typically not been a story being reported by the national insiders. It's been more of the local newspapers like, you know, the Washington post, we've had a few things that type of deal. So it's not necessarily about these other, uh, it's not necessarily these NFL insiders. So the fact that it came from one of those, at this point the owners meeting is later this month there's obviously last week there was a round of uh, a bunch of different stories about Dan Snyder um and, and you know the, the, the his his grasp of the of the franchise so very interesting timing very interesting stuff this like i said this is just kind of happening right before i started recording this so we'll, we'll have to dive into this more in a bit so that's the the news here of of the morning Beyond that, you know, free agency begins next week. I have a story up on The Athletic today about some free agency fits. I I did mention some guys who, under normal circumstances, would be players you could potentially target here. like uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Orlando Brown, the left tackle for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, some other players as well. But I also really tried to hone in on those who might need a one like a, a, a prove-it kind of a contract, whether they're coming off of an injury or a down year or something along those lines. Uh the Jaguars just released Shaquille Griffin, a cornerback who two years ago was the highest paid free agent quarterback cornerback this year, just a little bit more than William Jackson. Obviously, it didn't work out for Washington. Uh, but Griffin was banged up last year with a back injury and with a huge cap hit. Jaguars decided. To move on, but that's the type of guy that maybe you can get him on a one year deal for you know some good money, but just a one year deal. That's the type of player I think Washington is probably going to be looking for. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, again, to the degree that Dan Snyder and this in the budget talk and who knows what's going on over there exactly uh and what he's willing to do and 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 willing to have the team do, knowing he could be selling it in a minute. Maybe he doesn't care about any of it, and says, "Go ahead, Ron. Here's the credit card. Go nuts." Or he says, "Ah, eh, don't. I don't want you adding anything. I don't want to deal with the putting money in escrow. I don't want to tack on more money." Or you know, maybe he's already hearing from potential investors or potential buyers, I should say, that hey, you know, we'd rather you not, you know, go nuts here, so we can have a more of a clean slate. Whenever we we take over, we'll have to see. How that unfolds. So that's what's going on on this front. We'll have more to discuss uh, with regards to uh, this this team coming up here. Obviously, in the days ahead, we'll be busy next week for sure. So make sure you stay with us here on the website and the, uh, and here on the Standard Grumoli podcast for all of your updates. Uh, by the way, I also did a new mock draft, mock draft 2.0 for the Commanders on uh, Wednesday. Had a trade there. Check that out on the Athletic, uh, but right now, enough of me. Let's get to it. Great stuff from Logan Paulson, talking the draft, talking free agency, talking the Commanders, talking quarterbacks, and a whole bunch more here on the Standard Group Only Podcast.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: All right. Uh, excited for this one, of course. I saw him very briefly in Indianapolis. He was doing his thing uh, gearing up for the NFL Combine. He was there. You know, you identify players by their uniforms and their jerseys. You can identify Logan Paulson by his human jersey. He, I recognize exactly his attire. I saw him there among among the people. Here he is, Logan Paulson, uh, ready to talk. Washington Commanders, Uh, my guy, how was uh, how was your time in Indianapolis?
2: It was a little bit of a grind. I really enjoy Indianapolis, but as you know, it can be a little bit of a grind because you know, you're up kind of early or at least I was up kind of early and you're staying up till, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning. Cause that's when everyone's out, they're talking, they're having a good time and uh, get some good, get some decent information at that hour. And then uh, we did some different stuff on command center this week with regards to the combine where we covered every drill, which was, you know, obviously you're in there for like four or five hours. Cause it takes them a long time to get through everybody. So Busy week, but I had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're. You're not wrong. I one way I can tell, like in my head, I still feel like I'm. I don't know, twenty three. You know, what <laughs> one, one of those deals? And I have largely lived a life where I still kind of act like I'm that, and, and like I've always been more of a night owl in general. In part yeah. because of just how I was am, but also like when I was covering the NBA for a long time, it tends to be nights, obviously, when when games are. But I can tell I'm getting a little bit older because the uh, it used to be when I would go to the combine the first few times, you know, it was like you said, you're up late because that's where everybody's out. And then you got to get up early to actually go do the job. And now the idea of doing that, I had it in for me for like one night. Like I'm not saying I wasn't <laughs> out at all, but in terms of like the three, three in the morning, like, all right, I'm yeah. gearing up for this one night, but I can't realistically do it uh, every night. But, you know, God bless those that that, that still can.
2: Yeah, I mean it. It is tough, and um, you know those coaches, man. Those coaches and scouts, they they are uh, a different breed, I guess, when it comes to going out. You know, maybe it's the whole year of just grinding, and then this is your time to let loose, <laughs> right? But they they are out. They are out in mass. So
1: right, right. We're not there just talking to each other in the media, like there's. There's. there's <laughs> I mean, you know, you're trying to be friendly with whoever you're around, but at the same point, yeah, there are some interesting people around. Um, before we get to the combine and before I ask you your thoughts on free agency, which starts on Monday, essentially. I wanted to just get your overview of where things are with Washington because it's kind of weird to me on some weird on a level. I'll, I'll, like obviously, they've been a five hundred team more or less under Ron mm-hmm. Rivera, literally five hundred last year with a seventeen game schedule. Only only these guys could uh, could do that. Um, it feels like in general when you talk about the Commanders, especially with the, on like a national level, it's like oh they're not you know they're not a real contender. They're not you know they got a good defense and some good playmakers, but they're not a real contender. And it's hard to suggest that they are, especially Mm -hmm. there's uncertainty at quarterback as we get it. On the other hand, if I tell you that they keep Duran Payne, which they've already franchise tagged him, so seems like one way or the other they're gonna keep him. They spend their first three draft picks on two offensive linemen and a corner. And then just let's just say Cole Holcomb stays on a one year deal after you know his, his year got hurt by injury. What 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 else do they need? Like I I don't like I didn't just say anything that was like that crazy. They're gonna use draft you know. picks, and keeping pain seems like it's already gonna happen. They don't have gaping holes beyond that. Now what I, I mean, just because you draft people doesn't mean they will it will succeed. Sure, you still have to the line has to the offensive line has to get better, etc. But at the same point, like it's not like they have like massive holes all over the place. And I do feel like that gets underrated at uh, under discussed at times. And then plus. The defense obviously was a top ten unit last year. The wide receivers and the running backs are legit playmakers. Sam Howe is, yes, the big the big mystery, but at the same point, yeah. they don't. It it doesn't seem as dire to a degree as a way I think people maybe think it does.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think obviously, like anytime you're, you know, you're evaluating a roster, every roster has holes in it, and I think you kind of alluded to what washington's holes are right you know they need some depth at linebacker they need some depth along the offensive line excuse me and um and obviously kind of getting some more depth at cornerback would be outstanding and i think if you could get legitimate playmakers there and legitimate kind of ballers at those positions um you know you'd be all right i just look at philadelphia i look at kansas city in terms of offensive line and what that's what that does for their offenses in terms of finding really good football players so um. I, yeah, I, I definitely think it's closer than people think. And obviously, like the mystery box is Sam Howell. But, you know, even if you get slightly better quarterback play and, and like no offense, Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz, but it wasn't like elite quarterback play last year for whatever reason, um, even if you get kind of just, you know, a little bit better than that, you get a little bit better offensive line play you know, you're in a good spot. I I do think it's important to kind of remember with defenses, they tend to regress year to year. Um, You know, the strength of schedule changes, um, offenses evolve, you know, things just change. So that becomes a little bit more challenging, but uh, I do think, you know, it's important to acknowledge that they're not, you know, they're not like the Houston Texans here, like where they have a, a myriad of holes. It's like, they're pretty lined up with regards to what, with what they need to do. And I think it's very addressable, in this year's draft, because I think we'll talk about it in a minute, but like, you know, corner is a big strength in this draft offensive line, at least in the first two rounds looks to be a strength of the draft. So um, I think fans should be relatively optimistic. And like, like you alluded to, obviously, like you need to hit on those picks. You need to make those happen. And offensive linemen traditionally take a year or two to figure it out, but you know, maybe you get lucky and and you find lightning in a bottle and things work out. You know, I, I look, I look at the Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco. The Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, the, you know the Seattle Seahawks with uh, rookie Russell Wilson. Like things with good rosters, good things can happen for you. And I think this team is is relatively close to being there. Obviously, they need to make some big moves, like you alluded to.
1: Yeah, that's and that's also what's so interesting with the quarterback circumstance, because obviously since Rivera has been here, you tried to get Matthew Stafford, as we know, last year they tried to get you know Russell Wilson or or and others. Land on Carson Wentz. Um, we know it didn't work out, but like I understood why they 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 attempted to do that. And now this year, where it feels like they're actually a bit, like we said, that not I'm not saying they're a quarterback away, but you know, if they actually acquired one of those guys, now I think people, especially in the NFC right now, where the quarterback play is pretty, you know, uncertain. To to be kind, sure. I guess. Um, I, I noticed to somebody the other day. Derek Carr was the fourth best quarterback probably in his division last year. Now mm-hmm. you can make the case. He's like the second or third best in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And so, <laughs> all right. So to that end, it's, it's sort of odd to watch as it does not seem to be in the quarterback mix for veterans. As they've said, they're going to look like it's going to be Sam Howell and they'll add somebody for some kind of competition. Um, l- let's go back to the combine before we get to free agency. Since sure. we we're both just there. Um, I go to the combine and I'm just trying to figure out what stories am I going to write? Obviously. Yeah. Normal years when you're not dealing with the headlines at this place that deals with a, a bit, you know, you're trying to focus <laughs> on the draft picks, but that wasn't necessarily for me a this year thing. Plus the way they changed the schedule, the workouts weren't until the end of the week and the offensive players weren't up on the podium until um, the end of the week. And I was gone by then. So that, that changes a little bit also, um, For you, what's what what is the deal? You're not having to deal with the podiums per se, listening to the players talk unless you want to. Yeah. Uh, What what is your focus when you go
2: there and how do you uh, attack that so you can, you know, be as informed as as possible? Yeah. So basically, like, you know, my day is I get up at, you know, 7 30 and I start watching film. And I'll watch film, I'll go to a couple podiums, you know. Um if 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 my schedule allows, but I basically watch like four or five hours of film. We get segments for the show and then I go and I watch the drills and like that's my day. It's very football centric and then at night I go out and I talk football with scouts, with coaches, with friends around the league and that's really my my day. It is, I don't want to say it's, it's 24-7 football while I'm there and it is a good opportunity for me to learn about the prospects, obviously through film study and seeing the drill work and then talking with uh, you know, scouts and coaches about their perspectives on perspective on these um, you know, these 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 future NFL players. So I think it's all kind of it's football 24-7, and it's really helps me kind of get a good barometer of where my evaluations are at and where some of these guys are at in the league's eyes.
1: Obviously, you're a guy that's interested in all this stuff, so you're looking at all kinds of different players, but how much you only have so many hours in the day, even though you yeah. I sure would love to watch film 24 hours a day. There's only so many hours in the day. So are you focusing primarily on, OK, I think Washington could look at cornerbacks. I think they look at offensive line. Maybe you got to look at some of the quarterbacks just because. Um, yeah. But like, you know, I assume you're not focusing that much on the defensive line or even wide receivers for this year. But that, what, what is your focus? Is it like what does Washington need and where are they at? Or I'm just going to look at anybody I think is interesting and we'll just figure it out.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I've watched pretty much all because early in the offseason, it looked like they were gonna go tackle. So I watched pretty much every tackle that was at the combine. Obviously, there's like maybe one or two that I missed. I watched probably, you know, because there were 60 defensive backs at the combine. So I probably watched 35 or 40 of them. And then I watched a whole bunch of defensive linemen, probably watched 20 of the 30 defensive linemen that were there because and everyone's like why would you do that because you know there's been some indications that they're going to draft a defensive lineman in a later round so when it's a later round pick you got to kind of watch a higher volume to kind of figure out who fits Washington what stylistically they might be looking for who are some players that have good enough tape kind of in that what I would call like a third tier player so it does it, it is a lot of film a lot of time a lot of film study and then you know, I think those interviews or those those off-the-record conversations that I have at night are really, really helpful to kind of say, oh, like, I think of this about this guy. And then if a scout goes, oh, dude, I love this guy, you're like, okay, then I'm on the right track in terms of how my evaluations are going and people to potentially keep an eye on.
1: Um. All right. Well, let's dig into uh, that big brain <laughs> of yours when it comes to these prospects. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the offensive lineman. Yep. That to me, I mean, look, I think it's to Ron Rivera as well, is is the number one need area. Again, we're putting quarterback aside. Um mm-hmm. the way the draft seems to be unfolding based on the mock drafts, you've got three offensive tackles in Paris Johnson from Ohio State, uh is it P- Peter Skaransky Peter from, City, mm-hmm. from Northwestern, and then uh the kid from Georgia who's uh, Roderick Jones. Roderick Jones, right. It feels like they are a cut above the rest and then they are also projecting to be picked maybe just before Washington as you evaluate this thing so if I said like the top those three guys are gone but Washington still wants to take a tackle at 16 do you see it as a bit of a gap between those three and therefore going anybody else that close to them would be a bit of a reach or do you not see it as like a big gap between the, the top three and and some of the other guys
2: so actually I think it's really just two. It's Peter Skuransky and Paris Johnson. And I think like when you talk to people like at night, I think they kind of they like Roderick Jones. They think he's a good football player, but I don't think they like him as a top fifteen pick. And so I think he's probably I, I could he go top fifteen? Absolutely, because tackle value is elevated all the time. He's a little raw. He has a hard time anchoring versus the bull um my one of my main keys in evaluating tackles is like do they have pass protection upside and what i mean by that is do they understand angles do they understand contact point and how are they in, in that contact point point? and peter Skaronski understands that probably better than any tackle in the draft and paris johnson he's six seven he's got 36 and a quarter inch arms which is crazy length and he is crazy twitched up so even if he's not great at that area like he's in he, his upside is through the roof so I think it's those two guys and I think Roger Jones while being a tremendous athlete is just a little bit stiffer than I would like you know I think he can grow into something but there's a little bit of a developmental thing there so to me Roger Jones kind of falls into that second category of offensive linemen which is like Anton Harris from Oklahoma who again has pass rush upside Darnell Wright Dewan Jones, that type of tackle. I think I would even put Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse in there as well. So there's like a, it's like the top two, and then there's like five guys. And so if you're operating under that principle, right, you say there are these top two players. If I can't get either one of those top two players for me, and I'm at 16, and then there's Broderick Jones and all these guys there, I'm going to trade back. I'm going to trade back out of that spot if I can. Because if I have all those guys evaluated at the same level, Darnell, Wright, Dwan Jones, um, Anton Harris, I'm going to get one of those guys even if I trade back six or seven spots, right? Even if there's a run on tackle, I'll still have access to one of those players if that's what I'm looking to do. So um, I think that's kind of my approach and my... Today, obviously, there's still a lot of evaluation and kind of rumor mill stuff that needs to be sifted through. But as of today, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Top two, and then there's probably five, six, seven guys in the next group that you feel decent about. And then, um, and then after that, you get into that third tier where, you know, it becomes a little bit more dicey. Um,
1: Yeah. That's interesting that uh, you see Broderick Jones in that way, which is I'm not saying is the wrong thought right. at all, but just like I said, based on the mock draft, he's consistently been sure. the third guy, which sure. does lead me to think that the, he is viewed as below the other two, but to the degree that he's maybe closer to the other names, um, in your view, is interesting. You you mentioned DeWan Jones. I mean, it's hard to not want to talk about this guy. I mean, yeah. because of the measurables, like what is he six eight three eighty? He has like a eighty yeah. something, like a, like a Giannis Antetokounmpo level wingspan. Yep, That seems like the definition of a raw prospect, though. And I did a uh, Commanders only mock draft, yada yada, mm-hmm. and I went with the approach that you did that. In the board that I was seeing, the top, well, including Brighter Jones, the top three tackles were gone. The top two corners were gone, meaning Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. Yep. And so I decided to do the trade down deal. I went all the way down to the end of the round with, with Kansas City, could like move up for a pass rusher or whatever. And then uh-huh. Dewan Jones was the pick for me at the at that. I, I still don't know what we think it is Is it pick 31 or
2: 32? It's 31. If... It's 31. Okay. Going... There's no 32 pick anymore, which is We're, weird. But Right. Go ahead. Okay.
1: Some some sites are like showing the Dolphins pick, but okay. Anyway, <laughs> so I had DeJuan Jones, and then I added some other picks to take another offensive lineman in a corner and all that. Where, so where are you at on DeJuan Jones? If, say, for a team like Washington, that would, you know, in theory, like if they want to move Sam Cosby inside, then they need another tackle. How close do you think that guy is ready? And is is he worth the wait based on uh, the potential uh, he has?
2: Yeah, so uh, so basically the way I tier offensive linemen and in any position is I kind of say, do they have like kind of elite characteristic upside, right? And so that's why, you know, Skaronsky and Paris Johnson are kind of in my top tier. Are they going to be pro bowlers? I don't know, but do they have kind of plus upside? I think so. I think Skoronsky is, you know, his ceilings, maybe not as high, but I think he could be, you know, like a pro bowl level guard. And I think Paris Johnson has the physical tools to be a pro bowl tackle. So once you get into that second group, I think of them as like starting caliber players. Um, and I do think Dewan Jones is a starting caliber player in the NFL. Now he does have some like athletic deficiencies. He's pretty twitchy for a big guy. I think he ran a five, three forty, 40, which is pretty good for a guy who weighs 380 pounds. Uh, He's not the same athlete as the guy up in New York. I forget his name at the moment, the kid from Louisville, who was also very big. He's not the same athlete as Trent Brown. Yeah, Mackay Becton, Trent Brown. He's he's not that kind of athlete, but um, he does, uh, you know, you watch him at the Senior Bowl. And the thing about him that's really special is that oftentimes players with really long arms don't utilize their length effectively, but he does utilize his length very well. And so what I mean by that is he's able to kind of reach out and touch you from 37 inches away, and you can tell that pass rushers don't. They're not ready for the strength that he's striking them with. Um, his feet, his footwork is a little, I don't love his footwork, but it's athletic enough that I think you can make some improvements. So if he was, if you traded back to 31 and you picked him, I think that's an excellent pick. And I think it feels a nice need here. Um, you know, you move Sam Cosme in a guard. I think, um, again, I think DeWan Jones has a good feel for pass protection. Like when you talk to coaches at the senior bowl, he missed some time because of a concussion I don't know if he actually had a concussion or not because like he was playing. So he, he like basically dominated so badly the first day. It's like, if I'm his agent, I'm like, Hey man, you know, hang out, don't practice. And maybe that was the excuse they came up with. I don't know. That's all speculation, obviously, but you know, he's standing behind the drill and he's kind of talking through what each rusher is going to give him. Oh, you know, the kid from Notre Dame is going to give me speed to power. The the kid from Iowa state is going to give me kind of give me this ghost rush. And so the fact that he understands what these rushers are doing and his plan to stop them, I think is, is very, very special. And I think, um, you know, that's a guy, the more you hear about um, the more kind of, I don't know. I I think he's going to be a good pro now. Another thing that's important to note is there's, there's, stuff that i don't have access to the stuff that you don't have access to which is the personal um per, the, the personal evaluation interviews right and all of the stuff that comes out of there now i'm not talking about Dewan jones specifically but i know some of these other guys had interviews and i know coaches not with this team but other teams of guys that i know and have relationships with were like man he's a weirdo you know he's we think this guy's bipolar whatever it is and so the film supports Dewan Jones in the first round, all those things, but there might be information that we don't have privy to that would push him down a little bit. So that's another thing for fans when they're like, oh, they didn't take Dewan Jones or they didn't take Darnell Wright or they didn't take Anton Harrison and everyone's losing their minds. Uh, it's because there's th- that interview process is so important and it does affect the evaluation tremendously.
1: Well, I know Craig Hoffman was in Indianapolis. I didn't realize that, that these people had interviewed him, but correctly <laughs> described him as a weirdo. Okay, um, that's that's good to know. Yeah, um, right. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, what about this? And then we'll switch over to some other positions. There's a new offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy, and I think we're yep. still all trying to figure out to what degree where's Eric Bieniemy's power, so to speak, with, with 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 some of these picks and players and. The scheme, you know, obviously he's going to run the offense, but is there a different type of offensive lineman that you were looking for now that Eric Bieniemy is the coordinator versus with Scott Turner? Obviously, the offensive court, uh, offensive line coach, John Matsko, is still here, but does that change anything for you as you're
2: looking at these players? Um, not really. I think, uh, you know, when you look, you know, I did a little bit of Kansas City evaluation, I watched like four or five games when they signed Bieniemy. And one of the things that jumped out to me almost immediately is how similar the two offenses were in terms of philosophy. And if you look at Kansas City, they've had a lot of success with Orlando Brown, who is, you know, 6'7", 350 pounds. Now, he's not as big as DeWan Jones, but basically he's a huge man. And DeJuan Jones is a big man, I think would fit fine in the scheme. And I think what they're looking for is just guys that have upside athleticism for their size, you know, like uh, talking to some guys around the organization. Like one of the things that come out is like, they were all very pleased with how athletic this group was in that second tier of guys. So I think when that, that's a a good sign that they like some of these athletic traits, like some of the qualities. Does that mean they're going to pick one of these guys? Absolutely not. But I just think they're, they're positive on this group from an athletic upside. And to me, that athletic upside makes you a little bit more scheme agnostic. So let's just take DeWan Jones because we've been talking about him. If he comes out and runs a five-six, you say, well, he's got to be in a very specific scheme. But he comes out and runs a 5'3". His vertical jump is whatever it is because he's, you know, 380. But he does have some explosive qualities and you match it up with the film and you say he could run in an outside zone scheme. Would he be perfect for it? Probably not, but can he do it? absolutely and so it's not that he it's he's a little bit more scheme agnostic coming out of the combine than i thought he was and then you get guys like darnell Wright, who i think is you know got fantastic feet and will probably go higher than a lot of people think anton harrison um the only thing you have to kind of consider with him is that he's not very good in the run game period he's very good in pass protection but he's not good in run in, in the run game so if you want to be a run first team you really got to look at that and say does he fit our vision for this offense moving forward so uh, there's all these questions about each guy but um i do think that that second tier of guys is is a little bit more twitched up a little bit more athletic than people thought coming in and i think that just is going to add to their value uh coming into the draft
1: uh let me let me ask you uh, i forgot to ask you one thing about the offensive uh, players at the, from uh, in the draft i am uh, okay i'm not obsessed but i'm really intrigued by the tight end in this in this year's class, because there's guys who who could be picked in the first round, maybe multiple tight ends, which is not always a thing that happens. And there's depth that goes into day three. It sounds like, yeah. I would like Washington to upgrade its tight end position. They didn't get much out of it last you, you've, year. You've
2: been you've been banging that drum. Why do you feel that way?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, I you know, the I feel like tight ends one of those positions. This is maybe my fantasy football brain. But it's one of those positions where there's only so many guys. Obviously, there's the John Bates of the world who, you know, it, 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 what he does is not going to be statistically impressing anybody outside of like a PFF grade. But, you know, not going to get a ton of catches and blocking is mm-hmm. necessary, important, but not well, not a flashy thing. But having a difference maker at that spot seems like it would be huge, especially for, you know, often said a tight end is really helpful for a young quarterback. The question is twofold. One, I guess. If you're talking first round in particular, is there somebody in this draft class that is worthy of being, you know, is is a tight end worthy being picked that high? And then secondarily for Washington, and you can answer this separately, is do they think that highly of what they have on the roster that they're actually not really looking at it? Because Ron Rivera really talked about, didn't, didn't make it sound like at all like they were worried about that position so you're the tight end expert you tell me i guess did you what did you think of these guys in this class and then should i stop talking about this for a washington uh, situation
2: (laughs) um you're saying pick them at 16 is that what you're saying
1: yeah i mean obviously you don't have to but i mean yeah i mean that would be the the, uh, you know is that even conceivable and then you know what do you just think from there
2: yeah, I mean, I don't think you take any any of these guys at 16, and that's not an indictment of any of them as athletes. I think they're all very, you know, they all came out and did a great job. They're, they all have a pretty good film. Um, but what I do think is that there's not a lot of value for the tight end in the first round. It's kind of getting devalued in a similar way to running backs, because what you're seeing is that the tight end position is so scheme driven. It's so offensive coordinator driven that. Even a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's you know one of the freakiest, most surefire athletes I've ever evaluated at the position, has been kind of had a middling production his first year, two years in the NFL. So I think that you know you drafting a tight end at 16 is I don't want to say wasting a pick, but it kind of is, especially when there's other positions that have more consistent value. There's positions like corner. There's positions like offensive line. Even edge rusher at 16, I would probably lean towards more than uh, going to tight end at 16. And part of it is also because this is such a deep tight end class. You know, they go all the way. I mean, you probably have, let me think, you probably have 15, 12 guys that I think are very, very good football players that are going to elevate your team. So I, I think the depth of the draft, the positional value in the first round, I don't think that's the direction I go. Do they draft a tight end? It's entirely possible because the group is so deep like Sam Laporta, who everyone has like a fourth round grade on, you know, tested outstanding. His film's good. And if he's there in the fourth round, I think you're like, well, is he our best player available? If he is, then take him. So um, I'm not saying don't take a tight end, but I'm saying don't take one high, especially when this, this, this class specifically has long legs into the later rounds of the draft. Now talking about the position here for Washington, I do think one of the th- the best analysis I heard about the tight end position was from uh Daniel Jeremiah on his podcast recently and he said tight end is a traits driven position so height weight speed those guys tend to do very well and if you look historically like basketball players do very well transitioning to the tight end position in the NFL right Antonio Gates Anthony uh Gonzalez uh, Darren Fells is kind of a random one Jimmy Graham all these guys they've done a great job transitioning because Samus they're Reyes. big yeah big strong fast guys right so um, on our team, we do have guys that have tremendous traits, uh, you know, taking Logan Thomas out of the equation for a second. I mean, Armani Rogers is you're not going to find a guy who ran faster than him, than him at the combine this year. And he's six, almost six, seven. He's 245 pounds. He's got tremendous twitch to him, uh, you know, Cole Turner I think catches the football better than almost anybody in this draft he's got tremendous hands and, and body control to adjust to the football and then Curtis Hodges is a converted wide receiver who's 6'8 and is got tremendous ball con- uh, body control as well so in terms of traits you're not going to find guys who um, in this draft I mean there are a couple who have the same kind of upside play as these young guys so i you know i'm very high on the young guys even though their production hasn't been there but when you watch them in training camp when you watch them in practice you see kind of man if if this guy figures it out like he's going to be a starting caliber player so why would you kind of invest draft capital on a position where you already have kind of lottery picks waiting to hit or you know investments waiting to hit and then Working Logan Thomas in the equation, like I know a lot of people weren't happy with his production last year, but like we talked about at the top, it's such a scheme-driven position that I think this year with Eric Biennemi, a guy who's got a high familiarity of how to use the tight end position effectively, Logan's just going to naturally be more productive. So why make an investment in a draft pick um, when you have all these resources on the roster already? Now, like I said, could they potentially do it? absolutely like because this is a very good tight end class but do i think they should do it high especially when there's other positions of of higher of higher positional value i would not do that
1: all right well look if you're saying don't invest a high pick in the tight end i mean i gotta listen um (laughs) stop um all right let's go to the other side of the ball really quick cornerback now this is the other position where at 16 if you look at the you know the mock drafts and the boards Feels like they could get one of the better options there. Uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. seems like he's maybe going to be the first guy off the board, possibly yeah. as high as six, but maybe top 10. Devin Witherspoon from Illinois and Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State feel like the next two, maybe they're there at 16. Maybe they're not uh, for you. If we're, let's just rule out Gonzalez or whatever, or and, and you can rule out Witherspoon and Porter if you think they'll be gone. Who for you, based on what Washington does, I seem to recall a lot of consternation over William Jackson's fit. So we know that this is not always a perfect situation here to find the right person for the right, for what they want to do here with Jack Del Rio's scheme. Who for you, based on what you've seen, talent, the scheme, all that, do you think is a really interesting play for Washington uh, if they take a cornerback at 16?
2: Well, I think Witherspoon's probably the most interesting guy uh, because I think he's probably my, one of my favorite football players in the draft class. Like I love Christian Gonzalez. I love the athleticism that he brings, but gosh, man, like when you watch Witherspoon's tape, like he's just, he's just a dog, man. He just, he likes playing football. He's talking smack to everybody. He's, he's hitting people. He's competitive at the catch point. Is he the best athlete of all time? I don't know. He didn't run at the combine, but He's got a little bit of stiffness in him, uh, which I'm okay with because of the other stuff that he does so well. So um obviously Witherspoon would be my guy. I, you know, I'm not as high on Joey Porter Jr. as some of the other guys. Um, I think partially because I, I don't know how he fits outside of a man's scheme. Uh he, you know, obviously we play a little bit of zone here. We play a little cover three match. So I think you gotta have, you know, be proficient in those other things. But I also look at Joey Porter Jr. and I say, like, is he elite? Um, is he in tier one from a cornerback standpoint? And I don't think he's, he's that much better from the guy from Maryland, for example, or Darius rush or Tyreek Stevenson, or, you know, uh, name your kind of second tier cornerback. Uh, so that's something that I, Cam Smith is another guy, Emmanuel Forbes. And so like, there's five guys right there that I would kind of tier with Joey Porter jr. So if it's Joey Porter jr. At 16, I don't know if he's that much better than those other guys I just mentioned, right? Even Julius Brents, a guy who is very, very raw, but is six, 205 pounds. He's got 34 inch arms, which is crazy length for a cornerback elite five, five, elite three cone drill has a little bit of hitch in his turn. Right. But when you look at a comp in the NFL, you say, man, he's pretty close to what um, Benjamin St. Just is. So I would, if, if that, if, if, if Witherspoon and Gonzalez are gone at 16, if Paris Johnson and um, ben, uh, Peter Skaronsky are gone at 16, I'm trading out of that spot because there's good tackle depth in the later, later in the first round. And there is excellent, excellent, excellent cornerback depth. I mean, even the kid from Maryland, his name escapes me. Deontay at the moment. Banks. Yeah. Deontay Banks. He's 6'2205 and he ran a 4'340. Uh, um, uh, and his film is good. Now, is he as good at the catch point as Porter? You could probably argue no. But in terms of athletic upside, you say, man, like that's about as good as it's going to get. So, I mean, I, that's six, seven guys I just mentioned right there that are in the same tier as Porter. So trade back, you know, even if you're trading back to 20. You give yourself an opportunity at that second run of tackles. You give your opportunity at the second run of DBs. And I want to even take a DB at 20 because I think at 48, there's still going to be a heck of a football there, football player there. So that's kind of my thought on the quarterback spot. And I think it's, it's significant that both of these positions, which are positions of need for Washington, you probably are better picking in the second tier. So if you can find a dance partner, trade back. And that's, you know, we talked about this in my podcast the other day, but I do think that's one of the reasons why, Antonio Richardson balling out the combine kind of hurts the trade back opportunity for Washington, because I think there was a a world where he was there at 16 and somebody was going to try to take trade up and try to take him. So, um, but that's kind of my thought on the DB position and the, um, and the offensive line spots.
1: Um, Last question on the, on the DBs. It's not just enough to say, well, this guy's talented. Just get him. How is he going to fit? Sure. So you've got obviously Kendall Fuller, and Benjamin St. Jews, two guys who have played inside, but are now on the outside. The slot position seemingly is open, right? I mean, they, they let Bobby McCain go. There is no obvious third corner on this team. So for you, are you looking at this like, Hey, we they, it's gotta be somebody who's more of a slot corner than anything else. Or are you like, you know what? We'll go outside. And if we need to move Kendall fuller inside, we'll do that.
2: That's kind of my thought. Yeah. It is Is you want to go like, you want to go, I think go big or go home. And I think it's really hard to find – it's hard to find nickel guys. It it is. It's super hard to find nickel guys, but it's becoming a little bit easier with um, kind of the college game and how much nickel they have to play. So you get guys who are pretty well-versed at playing that nickel spot. But also, like, I want an outside corner. I want a big dude. In this draft especially, there's – like, every dude I just mentioned was like six foot or above. They got long arms. They can run. Like, get that guy. You know, even if you think Kendall has a little bit more runway left, a year, maybe two – like, get that guy in here because this is a very dense DB draft. Bring him in and then figure it out after. Like, you want good football players here. You want smart, intuitive, competitive football players. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to breed a, an environment of competition. I'm trying to breed an environment where everyone's being elevated. And that happens if I invest a uh, you know, first or second round pick in a defensive back, specifically a corner, because everyone says, oh, no, I got to be on my P's and Q's and be ready to go. So I think that that's kind of what I would say with regards to that. Um obviously if you if you wanted to go slot, there's a whole bunch of good slots in this class, but I'm looking at those outside guys and I'm saying, man, let's 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 build a monster in the back end here and who cares if um who cares where the pieces fall? But I just want good cover guys in the back end and I think it helps with getting a young guy in here because this scheme I think from what I understand is is very kind of mentally taxing. So get a young guy in here who's not clouded by other defensive terminology around the league other philosophy and bring them along and i think that's how i would do it
1: all right uh so you've been obviously busy on the draft what's your free agency homework how, how are you yeah. uh, how do you dive into that because obviously i mean there's tons of college players but you kind of have a feel already where some guys are going to be for agencies sure. kind of all over the place we don't know exactly how much is they going to watch and going to spend or the market for everybody
2: so what's your deal with free agency so, yeah, my deal with free agency is I do think a, a good a good free agent philosophy is filling your positions of need before getting to the draft. And so I I do expect them to make a move on the offensive line at some point. I do expect them to, you know, kind of kick the tires on some of the free agent defensive backs. Um, you know, offensive line, I've watched probably five or six guys so far. The guys that I think, you know, I think the tackle class, especially kind of in that second tier of tackle, like outside of – Caleb McGarry outside of Donovan Smith outside of, um, you know, who else is it? Uh, the guy, uh, McGlinchey and, um, and Orlando Brown. I think there's some solid football players. Like I think Isaiah Wynn is a really interesting prospect. And if he hadn't missed 23 games over the last four years, I'd say you'd jump at the chance to sign him to your team. Cause he's a heck of a football player. Uh, Jeremiah, um, Am- excuse me from Oakland is also a really good football player. Is he's kind of like the, um, the Charles Leno to me of right tackles like he's very very solid he's super consistent he's got multiple sets but you know he's going to be in deep water sometimes against elite pass rushers so I think that those types of guys are are really intriguing to me and it's just about is the risk injury with Isaiah Wynn worth the reward and then with uh, Jeremy from Oakland is um, do you feel like he elevates you enough So I think those are some guys that keep an eye on Dalton Reisner as a guard from uh, Denver, I think is really interesting, more of an outside zone guy. And here kind of speaking to your scheme fit, that becomes a little bit more interesting. If you're going to be dropping back in pass protection, a whole bunch, then a big guy, big guard, like Ben Powers is going to be more impactful because, you know, people talk about the tackles a lot in pass protection, but if you look at teams that have short quarterbacks, they have these big hulking guards that can kind of keep the depth of the pocket especially for a short quarterback like Sam Howell or a shorter quarterback like Sam Howell. So I think there stylistically, like who you want to be and what you want to be doing becomes a little bit more significant because Dalton Reisner, just as an example, is a little bit better run blocker than Ben Powers. But Ben Powers is a much better pass protector and can keep the depth of the pocket much better. So there is a decision where stylistically you'd say, hey, you know, are we going to be throwing the ball a ton? Then we probably want to lean Ben Powers if we're going to be running the ball 60% of the time. Then Dalton Reisner might be a more viable solution. So,
1: well, they're going to run the ball uh, two times to every one pass. Well, not get right? That memo. No. Yeah, kidding. I saw that. I mean, I'm just kidding, Ron. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Let me ask you this. I I'm of the belief that I don't see them being huge spenders in free agency, but you know, doesn't mean they couldn't spend on. You know, they can't spend at all. And putting Deron Payne aside, offensive line would seem to be one spot. Maybe you go. Obviously tackle is the most important of the positions, I guess you would say on the offensive line, but based on where Washington is at, where it feels like they want to move Cosme to guard, that would mean they would need a tackle. Simultaneously, even if they were to move Cosme to guard, maybe you still need another one, or maybe you decide, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll get a, be- a better guard and leave Cosme at tackle. And then there's the center position, which obviously they've had a lot of injuries the last few years. Chase Rie is still on the roster on the books, but big cap hit. I'm curious what they do there. So if I tell you that they can go make one, you know, fairly good spending, I I would think the Orlando Browns are out of their world, but out of their price range. But I, one of those three spots, based on the whole situation that they have here,
2: what's which of those positions would you spend some money on? Yeah, so it's interesting because, you know, I don't know. It just depends. Like, I can see this is the time of year where coaches kind of, get into telling themselves not telling themselves lies that's not the right word uh, they, they they kind of talk themselves into things sure. and so are they going to feel that offensive line is as a big a need now as it was when the season ended i don't know and then i think that's going to really impact like who they're going to be spending money on you know i've heard um i've heard on some different radio shows that you know ron feels that the most important position on the offensive line is left tackle and then it goes center right guard So if that's how you believe and that's what your approach is, like obviously you need to figure out what's going on with Chase Rullier, but I would, they're probably going to make a move at center and they're probably going to make a move at right guard. So the thing about Cosme at the moment that I think is somewhat confounding is that you could easily keep him at tackle or you can move him to guard. So it's like, what do you want to do there? And the fact that they're talking about guards still tells me that they haven't finalized that decision quite yet. So I think they're just going to look for the best player available, tackle or guard. And then Cosby's is going to have to adjust to whoever they pick. So I think that that's kind of what I would say. And so if that being the logic, I think they're in the free agent class, the kind of second tier tackles are a little bit more dynamic. And even this kid, uh, Jeremy Elamora from Oakland, he can play guard. So maybe you bring in two guys with position flex and say, we'll figure out what the best combination is. So that's kind of my approach. And until, we get something a little bit more definitive i think they could literally go any way they want quite frankly um but i do think keep an eye on center because you know obviously ted larson's hurt i heard he's doing better he's on his way back but um yeah i think those are some things that i would just kind of keep an eye on
1: um i gotta get you a uh, nfl map because the raiders are playing in vegas these days
2: oh sorry no, yeah, right. I was gonna let it go, but when you said it was the third no, time, like, all right, no, let... no, 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 it's get me because I I do that all the time, and it's uh, <laughs> like, uh it's it's the CTE. It just keeps up. It just keeps that it doesn't allow for change. That gray matter. So <laughs>
1: well, don't say that. <laughs> that's don't, don't say that. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Let's get to the quarterbacks. People yell at me if I don't ask you at least about the quarterback. So R- Ron Rivera, just to you know set the stage for people who haven't been paying attention, has been you know it's been sitting out there for a month. Sam Howe will enter the offseason as QB1, but he's not being anointed as the week one starter. He's going to have to earn it. The way I'm interpreting this is, basically, they're going to set this up for Sam Howe to win the job. As long as he doesn't vomit all over himself this summer, they're going to go for the upside and hope that that works. Which then says to me, with regards to who they bring in, I already already, knew there was no Derek Carr, Mm -hmm. not Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy Garoppolo will cost too much money. Then it gets you down to the... Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, Taylor Heineke kind of level. I think even within those names, I just said there's a bit of a difference because guys like Brissett and Dalton could probably legit start. And I don't know that yeah. they lose a competition to Sam Howell if it's flat out. So to me, it's even a little bit lower. But you tell me, what what do you think all this means for the quarterback spot? What who it could be specific? Who do you think? is the guy that they, that they kind of make sense for them, that they would target uh, to go with Sam Howell.
2: Yeah. I think Andy Dalton and uh, Bridgewater and um, Jacoby Brissett are the guys that I would target Taylor Heineke. I'll put him in there too. Guys that have guys that can win you games, guys that have been backups before guys that kind of know the score coming in, I think are, are perfect, are, are the perfect candidate for this job. Cause like, like you said, you want guys that are, that can win, that um, know how to mentor a young guy and aren't going to be making waves in the locker room when things inevitably turn to Sam Howe. you know, the, bring them in. They know they're getting paid eight to $10 million a year just to hang out, hold the clipboard and be an extra quarterback coach. Like those are the types of guys you're looking for. I think now, if that, if they can't land one of those guys for whatever reason, like, do they draft a guy? Maybe, um, you know, I'd like there to be someone to kind of provide a mentorship opportunity for Sam. But there are some kind of good second-tier quarterbacks in this class that maybe they feel like they can't pass up on. So I, I think definitely free agency. One of those four guys seems like the right fit. Um, and then if it doesn't go, like, keep an eye on the draft, maybe for someone to just add some depth. Um,
1: I want to touch on some other spots, but just quickly on quarterback. With regards to Heineke, yeah look. if they bring him back for the exact reasons you just said as like sort of that mentor, the backup we know he can play and they can run the offense, fine. It's not competition. They clearly don't view him as a starter. So I'm kind of like if you if you bring Taylor Heineke back, which I've heard more chatter about I did at the combine than I had previously, yeah. eh, you know, i i don't I don't see that as competition. Sure. The, the Taylor Heineke's not starting over Sam Howe unless, again, hows a, a mess so T- heineke would you bring him back Would you said look let's just go in a different direction not because of taylor heineke but just to do something different or would you say yeah screw it we'll just bring him back because we know him he knows us and we'll go from there
2: i think that's part of it i think also him and sam from what i understand have a really good relationship yep. so you know maybe that kind of helps sam settle in maybe you know, with a new coach, like sometimes having some consistency, you know, obviously they worked hard to keep Zampese around, even though they hired a new quarterback coach and having another guy in the room that can kind of help digest information, help communicate to Sam is is significant. And that's why the four names we mentioned are those four guys, because they're essentially an extension of the coaching staff uh, at points in their career. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think if Sam came back, I think that's or no, if Taylor came back, I think that's totally fine. I think that's totally reasonable. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different. And I think like, let's say, for example, Sam isn't ready at the start of the season. Uh, Taylor can start and he starts three or four games. And I think you'd be perfectly fine, like going to the bench when Sam is ready. So I think that's also something to consider here um, is that you're not looking for a starter you're looking for an insurance policy because you're hoping that sam can make that turn so that's kind of my thought on it and um like i said you never know like maybe the price is right on one of these free agents maybe jimmy garoppolo's not asking for as much money as people thought which seems very unlikely but and, and then and they make a push and it's and it works out but i think it's probably one of those four guys all right lastly i gotta get you out of here but with regards to other
1: free agents i have a story up uh today about uh free agents i mentioned the uh, offensive line your guy dalton reisner uh mm. andrew wiley was the right tackle for the chiefs seems like logically yeah, yeah. eric the mm. would want to bring somebody over here a couple guys perhaps sure um that he knew to help you know with the system um whether it's wiley or anybody else at any other position anybody else for you that does you sort of keep it in your back of your mind that you think makes it makes makes uh sense from a cost a fit perspective or maybe you just even have a uh, heard something uh you know around the uh, water cooler
2: yeah free agency in my opinion is like the wild west you know what i mean because it's really <laughs> depends on the team's evaluation and quite frankly like the point you brought up i think is fantastic it's like we don't really know who they want to be yet so it's kind of like these are assumptions about the offense these are things that um you know we're kind of trying to kind of read the tea leaves so to speak but i the Quite frankly, they could really go anywhere. I just think there's, there's, it's good. It's important for fans to know there's good football players available. If you haven't heard of this guy, if you haven't heard of someone that they sign, don't freak out because there's a lot of guys who haven't played a lot of football that are in kind of, you know, unusual situations, let's say, and they're ready for a bigger starting role. And I think with offensive line specifically, this is something also I wanted to bring up. You know, it takes rookie offensive linemen like probably two to four years to kind of figure it out. And with some of these free agents, like, you know, you mentioned Reisner, he's 28. So he's already gone through his figuring it out, period. Ben Powers is 26. Isaiah Wynn is 27. Andre Dillard is 27, right? These guys are not old men. So any one of these guys is going to have like kind of a, it's like a rookie plus type of deal, right? So I think that's important. And then someone that I think is interesting um, is like a guy like F.A. Obata. Now, I haven't really looked at the defensive lineman yet, but he did a lot for them last year in terms of inside, outside, pass rush ability. And so I would look, I would look as a, that's a guy that I would potentially want to resign, um, you know, like or pursuing the draft, or if there's someone else in free agency you feel can do that same thing as well. That's a position that I think that they want to get addressed, um, and I think they kind of need to get addressed. So keep an eye out uh, for someone like that. All right, uh, at let's see, on Twitter, no, I'm on Twitter, he hates
1: Twitter on instagram come
2: on i don't hate twitter i just don't have a twitter Eh, that's
1: close enough (laughs) on on instagram logan underscore paulson 82 go listen to him on the take command podcast and of course he has always got new content up on the commander's website with or without fred smooth those are very entertaining uh (laughs) film sessions that you guys uh
2: have there
1: uh Appreciate the time as always. Anything else? I, you're, you got twenty seven projects. Anything else we need to? Yeah, no, oh,
2: and just the uh, the podcast, the uh, the Take Command podcast that I do with Craig Hoffman is something else to maybe draw your eyes to. And then anytime you're looking for, for more Commanders content, check out the uh, Washington Commanders YouTube page. There's always good stuff up there. Uh, my guy appreciate it uh even
1: if you know you didn't hang out with me in indianapolis i didn't take advantage. Oh, you stop i, I said, no i don't take a look you got you're, you were you're...
2: leaving you were walking out i said hey ben you oh, no, I get... and you were like no i gotta hang out with this guy actually that's not exactly what happened but we can talk like that, that's what happened
1: i <laughs> uh, appreciate it man well well, uh, right. well i'll see you around the, wa- the water cooler here thanks man appreciate it all right big thanks to logan paulson for his time thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast Um, more to come as I said we've got this is busy time of year Uh, just got done the combine free agency is about to start there's an ownership deal here oh it's never dull here You can say that about this team they are never ever dull Uh, that is it for now Ben Sanding signing off until next time
0: see ya